Hi, this is JP Mack, and welcome to Liberty Relearned, not just another conservative blog. Okay, last week um, was the 4th of July weekend broadcast, and I hope you enjoyed your 4th of July, and uh, you still have all your fingers uh, from lighting off this fireworks, and uh, hopefully you got a chance to celebrate America's birth properly. And uh, so this week we're going to kind of continue on with that theme of having pride in America and kind of talking about what uh, makes America great and uh, why it's okay to love America. I think that's kind of seems like almost passe now to think of you know having uh, patriotic thoughts and loving America um, particularly nowadays there's all the problems it's kind of hard to see the good through the bad but uh, there is a lot of good that we can still celebrate about our country and we're going to talk about that um, and but also, uh, first, we're going. I'm going to talk about um, the idea of wearing a mask. This is something that we've covered before uh, in, in various ways. Um, so I've been trying to kind of crystallize my thoughts on wearing a mask, and uh, so towards that goal. Um, I came up with this thought, um, particularly with, with in mind, there's a lot of, you know, if you go online, you see a lot of postings that basically uh, condemning people who choose not to wear masks, um, really, um, some of it really gets to be bigoted, anti Trump anti-conservative um, rhetoric tied in, which I kind of don't understand because, as you can imagine, I follow a lot of conservative blogs, um, news sites, and um, uh, programs on AM radio, and the truth of the matter is that really conservatives, so far as I know, are pretty united um, about wearing masks. Of course, you know, it's wearing masks when it's proper, you know, when there, you know, there's a time and place for everything, I believe. Um, so I posted this uh, originally on Parlor, and yes, I am on Parlor or Parlay, as they like to say in France. Um, look me up under JP Mac or Liberty Relearned. Uh, Basically, so far, it's just me speaking as me, but hopefully I get, won't get a proper um, presence for libertyrelearn.com on Parlor. But anyhow, I, passed, I posted this a couple days ago, and I wanted to share this with you now. Um, let me say, uh, wearing a mask when and where appropriate out of a sense of personal responsibility to protect your loved ones and the people in your community 
the shopkeepers, restaurant workers, etc. is a virtue. Demanding others wear a mask to keep you safe is not. Okay, so just to elaborate um, on that thought, I think it's pretty clear. But uh, as I mentioned, there's a lot of people online that try and uh, paint this uh, picture of the you know Neanderthal Trump supporter blindly you know just not wearing a mask because you know freedom and and uh, you know it's their right not to um, things of that nature. I think uh, I think we deserve a lot more credit than that. Um, certainly, there are people who don't like masks. Um, as I mentioned last week, you know, Americans don't like to be ordered around. And that's in our DNA, and, you know, I think that's a good thing. I think um, we should never accept mask wearing as normal. It should always be considered an abnormal act to wear a mask in public. And uh, let's keep that sense. If you remember, maybe uh, if the first time you wore a mask, maybe to go buy groceries or something like that, um, maybe it felt a little awkward. Um, you know what? Uh, maybe uh, what we should do is, um, you know, kind of hold on to that that feeling, that that feeling you had when you first wore a mask in public. That you know. What are people going to think? What you know? This doesn't seem normal. Um, that sort of thing. Because I think we ultimately do ourselves a disservice if we normalize mask wearing. Um, so I think there's a lot of confusion um, on the part of. Uh, people um, they they believe in wearing masks um, and that's fine um, but then they want to um, like uh, Vice President Biden uh, said the other day he if he were president he would um, mandate the wearing of masks which I don't understand how the president does that does he mean to say that he would command American citizens to wear masks? How, how does that work? Um, I believe that mask wearing should be voluntary. Um, I think if, if they're properly explained, um, if the rationale is properly given for wearing a mask, I think there's a lot, there would be a lot more voluntary compliance. Um, but the problem was that in the beginning, uh, the CDC, uh, Dr. Fauci, uh, and the Surgeon General said um, not to wear a mask. You didn't need to wear a mask. They were not doing good. And they, we know now that they were basically fibbing. Of course, some of us knew all along because when I think about it, the masks have not changed. The N95 or uh, the KN95 masks have not changed. Um, the reason for the masks have not 
uh, chains and the the basic I guess the the basic um, way that that these respiratory viruses spread that has not changed um, they they always spread through the air you know like the same way you get the common cold or the flu that never changed um, so those of us who had dealt with masks before um, either for work or maybe for military and have some understanding were a little bit confused at what they were telling us at first because really they the the knowledge of how the virus spread really hasn't improved that much it's always been airborne um, the only question is you know how long I guess um, if an infected person is in the room or how long can you be around that infected person for you to uh, contract the virus yourself if you're exposed to it and of course it's always been the case that the that the virus was not easily spread through contact with surfaces I know there was a big uh, deal particularly uh, a few months ago but it continues today about continually washing your hands and sanitizing uh, good hygiene and all of that stuff and that's that's good um, you sure certainly should continue to do that um, maybe I think it was late the importance was maybe exaggerated um, because again the science really hasn't changed that much about how long the the virus can live on on surfaces and so yes you can contract the virus from touching a surface that's contaminated and touching your face particularly your your eyes or nose or mouth you can still do that but that's really not real not even close to the main way the main way of contracting the virus or being exposed to the virus has always been through breathing it in and that remains the same and that was the same basic knowledge uh, that we had at the beginning when they were telling us uh, not to wear masks and we know now that the reason they did that uh, the reason they gave us this um, misleading information was so that we would not hoard masks and so that the medical workers, first-line workers, would have enough masks and PPE to go around. Because if you remember back in the uh, March-April time frame, there was a shortage, or there was a uh, the fears of a shortage of PPE, and uh, like I know in New York City and New Jersey and other places that were hard hit in the first couple months uh, they, their supplies of PPE were severely strained and then uh, the American uh, industrial complex fired up and and we caught up and now you go to virtually any store anywhere even your your grocery store uh, sells masks for two dollars 
So we've come a long way in the last few months and now masks are ubiquitous. Um, but that is a problem that the that our government tried to mislead us uh, so that they would uh, prevent hoarding of PPE. Um, even though you can rationalize that uh, little white lie that they told us for for good purpose, you know, they, they, there's a rationalization that that it prevented hoarding of masks and gloves and things like that. But the problem was that it also damaged the credibility of the the uh, Surgeon General uh, and Dr. Fauci and the CDC and the people who were recommending us wear a mask and, and when finally um, when the shortage when the when the shortage was overcome for PPE and the hospitals had enough masks all of a sudden uh, that's when uh, wearing masks became indicated uh, after a month before being counterindicated and that's not because, like I said, anything changed about mass or anything really significantly changed about our knowledge of the disease. What changed was the amount of supply of PPE, particularly mass. That is really the only thing that changed. And I would suggest that that was the reason uh, once that we were out of the critical shortage phase, I think... Uh, it was recommended to wear masks, um, but it is unfortunate they chose to take us that route instead of trying to explain, first of all, what masks are and what they do and cannot do. I think maybe not to brag, but you probably got a better explanation uh, in this podcast and previous versions from, from me on what they can and cannot do than what you've received um, from the daily briefings that used to go on with the at the White House. And that's a shame because they undermined their own credibility and then when it came time when the masks were in uh, good enough supply that everybody could have one, then it seemed like they were reversing their judgment. And I think that's where you get a lot of pushback nowadays about wearing the masks particularly in places out west where there's not really that much of a problem uh, in the last few months, and maybe they've had a spike now. Um, but for a lot of America living in the northeast and living out west where the virus came first, we've been wearing masks um, for a long time, since know, March or April. So it's normal to us, but it's something new for the people out west. And of course, you know, there's pushback, and that's understandable because the, there was conflicting information, um, but not conflicting facts about the masks. So I think, I, in my judgment, I think we've caught up, and now what we're being told about masks is fairly accurate. Of course, they're not the panacea you know it's not gonna really solve the it's you know it's not gonna end the COVID-19 crisis just wearing masks but 
I think you have at least more um, realistic information going out. And now, so we're finally being told the truth. But I think the problem is, again, they undercut their credibility. And now everything that, that we hear from Fauci and the CDC um, gets questioned. And well, it should because you know they they took advantage of a lot of people's ignorance on the subject of mass and how the virus spread. Um, serve their own, well, serve the purposes of what they would call the the greater good of having the the no mass shortage for the for the people on the front lines, the medical people. But it would be nice if they would have been honest with us. I think, and treat us like adults and say, listen, you know, masks are good, they only do so much, and you should wear a mask if you feel like it, um, but there's not enough masks to go around, we don't want you hogging up masks um, because our frontline workers need it. Um, you know, basically we want to be treated like adults. And I think that would have, like, stopped a lot of the resistance that, a lot of the pushback that is being experienced now around masks. So, that's my thought of, about that. Um, you know, just wear masks out of respect for others and to protect others. But no, it's not the be-all, end-all. And it should be should be voluntary. I think most people, given the proper information about both masks and uh, how the diseases spread, I think most people, most responsible people, will will on their own come to the conclusion that wearing wearing masks is a good thing, at least for now. Now, at some point. There, you know, I, on the horizon, there there will be possibly a problem because um, one day it's not going to be worth really the effort. I mean, eventually, I predict we'll get to the level where the the, the cases are so low or are getting so rare that uh, the benefits of wearing a mask are not equal or less than the benefits of not, not wearing a mask. Because after all, you know, you're wearing a mask, you're breathing in your own CO2, you know, you're not getting proper, proper ventilation to your lungs, you're not getting the proper oxygen flow to your lungs when you're wearing a mask. Um, you know, there's certainly no, you know, you're not gonna go running or do any extreme sports any kind of you know really hard uh, athletic exercise um, wearing a mask it would just be not only stupid but it would really be counterproductive because when you sweat inside the mask that um, diminishes the mass efficacy and makes makes the you know it's counterproductive you know and I hope particularly in people in California well, you know, if you're going running, you know, don't you don't need to wear a mask. I think the the rules in California, although they've been highly publicized, allow for for you not to wear a mask if you're 
doing like aerobic exercise outside and um, and you know to take advantage of that uh, of that exception to the rule and certainly don't think that well you know I you know if, if the choice is to go out running and you're otherwise healthy person you know don't don't let you worry about getting COVID-19 and not, not you know, running around without a mask. Um, I think you're farther better off uh, running, particularly if you're a rel- relatively healthy person. Um, I think that my personal opinion is that the, the health benefits would outweigh any health benefits of wearing a mask. So I, know, I guess that's probably made that as clear as mud, but basically don't wear a mask if you're if if you don't need to and and the rules of your state don't require it I, th- I mean unless you have a real reason to wear a mask like you're around the old person or you you're trying actively not to infect people that you're around but anyhow that's my thoughts on that um, just keep it keep it voluntary Tell people, you know, treat people like adults. Let them make their own informed decision and don't hold back on information. And trust the American people will make a good decision given the correct information. And of course, this all ties into uh, what I was speaking about on last week's podcast about the idea of personal responsibility versus uh, collective responsibility. Um, it's a personal, uh, active personal responsibility to protect uh, your loved ones, the people around you, and the people that you work with, um, or the, the people, uh, you know, the shopkeepers and the restaurant workers and such. You know, that's active personal responsibility. And so, kind of uh, continuing on from that, from the theme of last week, I'm going to talk um, about why it's okay to love America. So, around this same time last year, or, or I believe the, a couple of years ago, uh, the uh, Gallup poll had come out uh, that showed 40%, 47% of those polled were extremely proud of their country. And that, at the time, was a low, very low number. And now that number, somewhat, unfortunately, not unexpectedly, is lower. Now the Gallup poll number is around 43% of Americans who uh, are extremely proud of their country. And really, um, one could argue that 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 number is not um, unwarranted. And let me explain that for you know some. I get some hate emails over that statement. America was born as a great country, and it became greater and greater still uh, throughout the decades and throughout now the centuries. Um, and there's still room to improve, of course, 
But America, I think, particularly in concept and how we, to the degree we strive towards uh, the American ideals of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, to the extent that we have strove for those ideals and um, maintain that focus on those basic America, American concepts. America is a truly great place. Um, my main criticism, I think, uh, would not be typical of what the left would criticize America for. Uh, my criticism would be that Americans, patriotic Americans, are not vocal enough in their resistance to the left. Uh, you ha still have statues being torn down. You still have demonstrations being um, turning violent. And I think we really need to really step up our resistance to their resistance. Um, the truth is on our side. The facts are on our side. Uh, America is overwhelmingly uh, a good place. If it wasn't, then why would all of these people from all corners of the globe still be trying to get here? Uh, why, if, if America really is as racist as the people in uh, Black Lives Matter would suggest, then why would people come here every day from... Countries like India, Africa, uh, China, Korea, uh, all different countries across the globe. Most of those people are, are people of color. You know, why if America is so racist, like people say, would all of these people be trying to get here? And of course, the reason is that America is not the racist place that uh, people claim it is. And so, um, but this is not really a new phenomena. Um, this, I guess, self-loathing of America has been building up, of course, after successive generations of school children have grown up, um, reading, uh, that atrocity by, uh, Howard Zinn, the People's History of the United States. Um, they've been brainwashed into hating America. Um, hopefully, um, in some future podcast, um, we can go in depth. I think I think that's something that would be worth well worth going into is just going uh, talking about Howard Zinn's book and how it's misled entire generation of America of Americans into hating their own country for basically bogus reasons. Um, and this has been building up of course for the better, the better part of, of, uh, the last decade, but particularly since the election of Donald Trump, they've really stepped up their game because, once they've once they lost their opportunity to introduce socialism and collectivism like uh through stealth you know like the fabian socialists uh were hoping to do 
you know, just gradually over time, and next thing you know, you wake up and you're in a socialist country. That was indeed the idea of the Fabian socialists from the uh, Fabian Society, whose very uh, logo is a wolf in sheep's clothing. You know, the wolf, of course, being socialism, uh, being... uh, being introduced into countries in the guise of social justice and things of that nature. And so a couple years ago, I wrote a piece uh, entitled, It's Okay to Love America. And I think that's really, I, I think this is really uh, pertinent to today because um, you know, we know, I think we know that that America is worth uh, worth fighting for, still, and and we I think most of us know that the idea that uh, America is some evil, horrible place is a lie. And so I wrote this, uh, of course, um, some data material. Uh, it says a re- recent Gallup poll shows that only forty percent of those polled were extremely proud of their country. Now, of course, as I mentioned, that's down to 43%. This is disturbing, but not surprising, given that public schools, colleges, and political leaders constantly talk down America. Students today are fed a version of history that accentuates the negative while downplaying or completely ignoring the positive. The left tells us that conservatives are fascists, while shutting down the free speech of others they don't agree with. The fear that if a majority of Supreme Court justices actually follow the Constitution as written, a whole host of rights will disappear into thin air. They are unaware, apparently, of the irony of what they say, as the Constitution was written precisely to codify into law our rights. We live in a country where laws are fine if enforced by one president, but not another. Most of the lack of pride in America stems from a very skewed version of history, the malleable definition of certain words like fascist, racist, sexist, etc., and a near zero knowledge of civics. There are plenty of things that America... Americans can be proud of things that paint a better and indeed a more accurate picture of America. The fact is that Americans have many reasons to love their country. Listed here are just a few. First, we beat the most powerful empire at the time, Britain, through a combination of sheer determination, imagination, and just plain luck. The courage, valor, and determination of the American patriots should not be overlooked. Our revolution could have been lost in so many ways, yet we pull off the upset of the century. Read just about any book on the American Revolution and you'll see just how amazing and improbable our victory was. Some, such as George Washington, would have attributed our nation's birth to divine providence. And... Just elaborating on that, uh, I was just reading today about the Battle of Yorktown, uh, 
It was fought in uh, 1781, started in September, ended into October 17, 1781 with the surrender of General Cornwallis to General Washington at Yorktown, Virginia. And uh, what's amazing is, well, it was a whole series of events, fortuitous events that led up to that moment. Because um, actually, uh, Cornwallis was actually doing quite well in his southern campaign. His idea was to divide the South and break off the South, make the people in the South uh, lose interest in the, uh, the revolution that was started mainly by uh, Northerners uh, up in Boston and Philadelphia, New York. And so their idea was to to divide and conquer the, the population and make the cost of war with the crown so high that the southern colonies would abandon the cause of liberty and may possibly sue for a separate peace. And, of course, we hear uh, similar themes of divide and conquer now. That's what the left, in fact, is doing. But you know, getting back to the Battle of Yorktown, uh, what was interesting about that is the British had sent a fleet of uh, soldiers to to relieve uh, Cornwallis. Cornwallis had been begging uh, his superiors to uh, send him reinforcements from the north down to the south to Virginia where he was so that he could maintain the fight against um, the up, upstart colonials. And what ended up happening is uh, the reinforcements didn't come. Uh, the French fleet um, basically kept, kept the British fleet out from, uh, from landing uh, in the area where they could be of any use. And also, but also what was really fortuitous was the leadership from the army in north, the British army in the north. They, they just delayed for some unknown reason. They delayed sending reinforcements uh, to help Cornwallis in the south. And that's one of those really fortuitous uh, strokes of luck that really could have um, meant the decision, meant the, um, you know, really could have uh, affected the outcome of the war. Maybe uh, instead of uh, having a decisive victory at Yorktown, maybe the war would have uh, dragged on for months and uh, we would have eventually had to sue for peace and maybe become like a commonwealth, uh, you know, roughly independent, but still part of the British Empire, a commonwealth nation, something like Canada or Australia or New Zealand are today. Um, but luckily, that didn't happen, and the war ended. And incidentally, the uh, British reinforcements did eventually get there, Um did get in place um, four days too late, as it turns out, because uh, Cornwallis had already um, surrendered 
his, uh, I think he had something like 9,000 men. We had something like 17,000 men between us and the militias and the French, our French allies. Uh, we had something like 17,000. And uh, they, Cornwallis had 9,000. And 7,000 reinforcements would have come, and that would have basically even the odds for him. Um, but for a four-day delay, four delay on the part of the British, uh, that probably meant the difference between a decisive victory in Yorktown and the war dragging on and, and possibly uh, changing the outcome of the war. And so I think that's one of those very um, fortuitous events. Um, and there, there are others, there are like fortuitous like times when it was really like the weather really cooperated um, with the you know, evacuation of uh, Washington. Um, I believe it was out of New York at the time he was trapped in. And luckily the fog rolled in at just the right day and they were able to get out under cover of fog, you know, like moments before the British arrived. And there, and there are other, um, back on Christmas Day, uh, when we, for the Battle of Trenton, uh, Washington, you know, his famous crossing of the Delaware, the, the weather kept the, uh, the Hessian centuries from going out, and of course it was Christmas Day and everybody was in their barracks partying. Meanwhile, the Continental Army crossed the Delaware and captured Trenton, and that was like a major blow to the British. Uh, they lost that whole um, mercenary garrison of the, of the Hessians. And so it's, you could be argued that... Um, we were America was meant to be the nation that she is, and we and we were meant to for greatness. Greatness, I know it's kind of uh, kind of hokey to suggest that maybe the Creator had something in mind for America, that uh, our independence from Britain was just a beginning, and possibly uh, the Creator had other great things in mind for this country. I choose to believe that personally, um, but you know the facts are the facts. And uh, um, going on with the essay, um, we freed the slaves. Yes, unfortunately, we had them in the first place, but the matter of slavery was a contentious one since the founding of our republic. Slavery was abolished in Pennsylvania even before the Battle of Yorktown was fought. Though slavery lost support in the North early, it was only ended in the rest of the country at tremendous cost. Imagine a war that was not only the bloodiest in the nation's history, but one where all of the casualties were citizens of the same country. Imagine a war fought not over territory or religion, but over the freedom of people. So yeah, I think that's something that we can check off in in the good column uh, against what the naysayers say about against our our country nowadays. Um, and also, uh, moving on, we invented stuff, lots of cool stuff. We invented a lot of things that would have a lot of trouble getting along 
we would have a lot of trouble getting along without. Basic stuff like light bulbs, the telephone, wireless communication, the internet, zippers, the airplane, nothing too important. The map looks the way it does, mainly due to America. Once there were two German states, we helped get that number down to one and rather and the rather ugly wall was torn down in the process. There is a Russia, but not a USSR. Again, mainly thanks to us. We had some help, of course, from leaders like Margaret Thatcher, Lech Walesa, and uh, St. Pope John Paul II. But it was the visionary leadership of a certain American president named Reagan that finally broke the stalemate. Is one we kept free, a few countries that used to compromise Yugoslavia, and now a few more that were either Soviet republics or vassal states. America, America's influence has literally been global. We helped win two world wars and the Cold War. Countries once former enemies are now either allies or important trading partners or both. Hundreds of millions of people are free to do are are free due to our willingness to sacrifice for their freedom. Millions more have a chance if they can resist the temptation to revert back to authoritarianism. Uh, I believe I was referring to the people at the time uh, living in Iraq and Afghanistan, whether they would choose to keep the democracy and the constitution that, that we helped them establish in their respective countries, or they would revert back to authoritarianism. And, of course, Iraq did for a while under ISIS. Uh, we defeated them again, and we liberated that country a second time. And, of course, um, the job is not over in any of those countries, but it's looking a lot better uh, thanks to America and her allies. We sent a man to the moon. In fact, several of them. To date, the only human beings to ever walk on the moon have been American. Every single human being to take a selfie on the moon has been an American. Every single human being ever to drive a cool dune buggy on the moon has been an American. Every single human being ever to drive a golf ball on the moon, you guess it, has been an American. We help people. Anytime there is a major catastrophe anywhere in the world, America offers aid. Be it after an earthquake in Haiti, tsunamis in Indonesia and Japan, or hurricanes in the Caribbean, or any number of other disasters you can name, America is always one of the first countries to offer humanitarian assistance. We also, we're, we're also generous. The United States consistently rates high among the all nations in charitable giving, both in terms of total dollar amounts and dollars per capita. Just Google charitable, charitable giving by country and you'll see. And of course, uh, America does in fact rate somewhere in the top three, if not top five, of charitable countries in the world. To hear it from some people 
You'd think that America was a terrible place with a terrible history with few redeeming qualities. Some of their points are valid, but they do not give a balanced perspective on our nation. Our founding fathers were men of wisdom and courage who sacrificed much and were prepared to give, give even more, even their lives if necessary, to gain our independence. That spirit of sacrifice, of putting liberty and freedom above our own lives and fortunes, carry on to this day. No country has done to further the cause of liberty than the United States. Our influence is global. Literally, we've helped rewrite atlases. We've helped oppressive countries disappear and be replaced with more liberal ones. From freeing black Americans from slavery to freeing other nations from tyranny and oppression, America's always taken a lead role. We make and do cool stuff, like the build the Can Panama Canal and send cars into space. We help the less fortunate in our own country and across the globe. Even when it comes to countries that we don't exactly see eye to eye with, politically, we offer them help in their time of need. In short, there is an awful lot to be proud of if you're an American. That doesn't mean we ignore the bad or not continue to correct injustices. It means that our positive contributions and achievements far outweigh the negative, and for that, we should be proud. And indeed, we should. Um, we've done all of those great things and more. We continue to lead the world um, in building freedom. You know, we fought several world wars. Uh, we did not uh, claim territory. Uh, we left behind troops in Germany and Japan and Korea to help them keep the peace. But we left those nations uh, sovereign. Of course, that's the opposite of what you see from some countries. Uh, Russia, in particular, um, took the Crimea from Ukraine and uh, so far have not given it back and they attempted to stay in Eastern Europe long past their welcome and it took uh, several decades uh, sometimes of uh, bloody incidents um, for the people of Eastern Europe to finally regain their independence uh, from the Soviet bloc. So I do believe that Americans have a lot to be proud of. Um, we certainly need work. Uh, we need work on uh, police reform, which it would be nice if uh, if both parties could get on board with the program. I like the program laid out by Senator Scott of South Carolina uh, for police reform. And of course he invited the Democrats to assist in the bill if they didn't like something in the bill they wanted to recommend uh, additions or adjustments to it they were welcome to they chose not to participate uh, they decided to go their own way with uh, pursuing uh, uh, some more uh, special interests um, for for their goals so we do not have a uh, legislative package passed yet 
in Congress, uh, even though that I think, again, uh, Senator Scott's one is a good, a good start, certainly. Um, you know, it adds protection, makes it easier to uh, get rid of bad cops, and it makes it harder for bad cops from, to jump from one department to another. And I think there's it's a really good start. And, of course, uh, President Trump did sign his executive order uh, doing what he could um, to focus, particularly the DOJ, on the idea of um, of reforming the, the police departments, uh, at least on the, the federal level. Uh, but there's only so much that President Trump can do on that matter. He needs Congress to act. And, of course, these individual uh, towns and states, they can always, you know, outlaw chokeholds on their own. They don't need to wait for uh, Congress to pass a law. You know, they can outlaw a lot of that stuff now. They can uh, realign their police unions, um, you know, deal with the uh, the police union side, make, make them more, um, you know, make it, you know, hard, make it harder for uh, cops, bad cops, to move from place to place. These are all things that can be done on the state and local level. They don't need to be told. Uh, of course, if you hear this in the campaign, which you probably will, um, you know, the Democrats will probably pretend like there's no such thing as a local government or a state government. And they'll try and keep this issue on the table, which is really, uh, it dis it does everybody a disservice not to do some sort of police reform this year before the election. Um, but apparently there are some who believe that they'd like to keep that as a campaign issue. Uh, I believe it would be better if they didn't, if they resolved what they can now. You know, you can always write another bill. If you take over the White House or Congress or do whatever, you can always change things later. But let's get what we have done. I think there's a lot we can agree on in the way of police reform. We can do that now. Uh, it doesn't take, well, literally doesn't take an act of Congress. It could take a uh, thousands of smaller acts on the the. Uh, on the part of municipalities to put their own houses in order. But, you know, uh, some people want to keep this alive as an issue, and I think that's unfortunate. But let, let that not detract from the greatness, because part of the greatness of America is that we have built in a system that if we choose to use it, uh, can deal with these problems and be effective in dealing with our our issues. We've you know, how many problems in the past have we dealt with effectively? Of course, Congress tends to invent more problems, but that's a subject for another day. But we have a system in, in place that is really, you know, if we use it properly 
can be the greatest one, I think, on the planet, and that's not hyperbole. I think that's an actual fact, but we have to agree to make that a priority. And it's unfortunate because that holds us back from, I think, being even greater as a society. Um, but the tools are there. Our founding fathers were wise enough to uh, create a constitution, create a system that uh, checks and balances, and create a system where the constitution can be amended. And, of course, it's been used many times. Um, I think if you look at it, it's almost always the amendment process has always been used to add freedoms, to free the slaves, to uh, give women uh, voting rights, to make uh, black people, uh, the recently freed slaves from, from the Civil War, uh, giving them the right to vote, the rights, full rights as citizens. And so I think we've been blessed to have uh, almost all of the uh, all of the amendments that have been added since then have added our free freedom, and it's a shame that in, in a sense that it's so hard because there's so many rules that uh, take away our freedom every day, so many laws that take away our freedom that it's it should be a little bit easier. Or it should be a little bit more common, maybe, that we add freedoms to America. But, I mean, the, the process is there. I think it's a good process. And I think that people who criticize the Founding Fathers really don't understand the wisdom of what they did. And they failed to, to put uh, their achievement in its proper perspective. I mean, this was a hugely, uh, it would have been considered very liberal at the time, you know, um, 1787, uh, 1791, um, when all of these, uh, when the Constitution and uh, the amendments were being ratified and we were getting off the ground as a country in those first, uh, in that first decade of our existence, it really, really I can't be underestimated or understated how really fortunate uh, Americans were that things turned out the way they did and it's important now to keep that I think it's some wor worth fighting for and um, I said earlier my really only con uh, criticism of America is that not more people are interested in keeping this great system that the founders created for us. Um, so I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Again, I hope you will, uh, if you like this podcast, you'll uh, tell your friends. I think uh, word of mouth is still the best way. Um, and feel free to uh, look us up online on Liberty relearn.com and uh, on Facebook of course we're, we have a present on, presence on Facebook and a bit of a presence on Parlor now that I'm working on expanding but we do have kind of a uh, presence now on Parlor. and if you're sick of Twitter 
sick of the regulations and the bigoted response to conservatives and Republicans and Trump supporters on Twitter, um, you know, consider going over to Parler or Parlay, as the French like to say. And, of course, uh, chat out next week, uh, every Monday, or more, or maybe you can squeeze us in at the end of the day, Sunday, if you're really dedicated to listening to this podcast. Um, and, again, uh, we appre- I appreciate your uh, listenership. I see every day uh, that the listenership is increasing, and that is, I think, thanks to you. I, I really appreciate you uh, sincerely uh, spreading the word, and you know, maybe uh, um, share some of the things that you read and hopefully agree with on Facebook and online and on Parlor. Um, look us up uh, as JP Matt on Parlor and. Uh, and become a follower. Uh, and if you're coming from Twitter, welcome. I think you will. I I really have. A, I'm, there's been a lot of false starts with other platforms, but I think Parlor is going to break through and become the really free speech um, center. Uh, maybe even to hopefully replace Twitter and kind of restore the balance to. Uh, political discourse okay thanks again Uh, see you next week and uh, listen to libertyrelearn.com and uh, read what we have to say read what I have to say online at libertyrelearn.com and on Facebook okay thank you until next week bye